Welcome to A Word in Your Ear, a celebration of a unique project in the black country that brings together poets, spoken word artists, musicians and community groups to create new work that reflects personal and wider cultural concerns across the past strange 18 months that we've all lived through. My name's Ian McMillan, I'm a poet and broadcaster and I'll be joining you as we discover how this project celebrated new ways of thinking and listening and creating and performing. First, Let's see a little bit of detail about the project from Black Country Touring's Bobby Tiwana. This project started off as something called My Black Country Shop. It was supposed to be a project where we worked with a number of artists in shops local to them across the black country. A shop that they felt they had a connection with, they would have been inspired by that shop, had conversations with people who used that shop and then made a short live performance. Earlier this year, we adapted the concept of the project to the telephone. They performed to a number of people on the telephone, and based on their interactions with people, they then used that as source material, as inspiration to create something new. So they're informed and inspired by those interactions. We worked with some wonderful groups, Ideal for All, Bearwood Community Hub, Mothership, The Wombles of Willenhall, Anthem, Sound All Visually Impaired, The Bookworms, and Just Straight Talk. Now let's welcome the brilliant Roy McFarlane, former Birmingham Poet Laureate and hugely energetic community activist around the black country and the wider West Midlands. Roy, before we talk about this specific project, I'm interested in what impact you think the lockdowns had on people like us who worked such a lot in the community and then suddenly this door shut. And what did we do? You almost got to reinvent yourself, haven't you? I think for me, and I'm sure a few other poets that I knew, it's almost like, okay... We've got a moment to ourselves. We know what writing in isolation is. So this was like, okay, this is good. We can do that. But then the very essence of performing and working with communities, it was, how do we do this? And so, yeah, we had to become inventive. And I think Zoom has been magical for, for what we do as well. Yeah, Zoom has been a big thing. And that's, that leads you on to this project, because this project is kind of unique, as far as I can see, in that it involved people talking on the phone. And you had to ring people up and talk on the phone to them and you told them stories and they listened and you read them poems and they replied. What was that like? Yeah, that was brilliant. I got asked along with a few other poets to go on a journey with this. It's not really kind of complete how, it, how it's going to be and what will happen, but yeah, let's go for it. And the joy of talking to people on the other side of a phone or something like that and try to get them G'd up because you know what it's like you bounce off somebody personally but you ca you can't see the person you're on the phone and it's how you generate a conversation and get people going and that was the that was the excitement of that journey as well and this group you work with what are they called ideal for all tell me about them vida was this incredible lady that worked with numerous community groups within the sandal area and they had different themes or different backgrounds but she had this idea of getting all these people of diverse backgrounds together and just keep on people active or just coming to a cafe and bouncing off each other or how can we support you she was just amazing we threw this idea that we, we want a poet to talk to several people in the community and she says yeah I love the sound of this. She was the one who chose the individuals or had a conversation with individuals and, and G'd them up to, to sit down and listen to me on the phone. Isn't it the case that in so many of these community groups, it's down to one person and often one woman who is a great leader in that community and knows and understands that community and will say, oh, that person will like this, let's try that. And 
those people must have been partly so frustrated in the lockdown because they couldn't do what they normally do, but partly doing that thing we talked about earlier, which is finding new ways, inventing new ways of actually making things happen. I kind of sensed that when I started to have the conversation with people on the phone is there was that element of frustration that I want to be out, out there, I want to talk to people, and I'm here in this room on my own. And I'm missing people. I'm missing that conversation. And again, I think that was the joy behind this um, little project is that 20 minutes of interaction, of human touch, even though it wasn't physical, but it was something over that phone that I thought was brilliant. It is that human touch without the touch. It's the intimacy of the phone because phones are so intimate. And it's actually talking to somebody who may not have talked to anybody else that day. And here you are, here's a poet talking to them and actually listening to their words and saying to them, what you're telling me is important and this can become poetry. Yeah. I mean, the way I started the thing off, I was given an idea of their journeys, just a little flavour who the individuals might be. Then you go away and you're thinking, what poem might I start this thing off with? I think I had eight individuals that I worked with and I would say five or six out of the eight were like, yeah, oh, excited and really go, going for it. And there were probably two or three who think, uh, you know, poetry. Uh, <laughs> so it was quite interesting just to find the poem to kind of link. And like I said, the six or seven that went, went with it, it's just, oh, that's really great. So I usually started off by saying, you've got a poet for 20 minutes, your own personal poet. And, and there were about two or three, my poet, oh. And so that, that was really good. And that was quite interesting that when you had that conversation, and I think what was important for me, and I'm sure with the other, other poets that were involved with this, is that you allowed them to go wherever they want to go with that conversation. And it was just so amazing, life stories. And then during that period of time, I was just trying to think of a poem that after what they've said, a poem that can respond to their conversation. Hope for better days. These are the stories to be found, never silenced, never lost. They live in the fabric of community, echo along the lines of a phone call, a visit. How you doing? Shout from outside the window. These stories live behind closed doors, so take time to hear them. Tales of adventures in surviving lockdown, climbing mountains of despair, sailing seas in the storms of anxiety, holding onto memories or tales that brought them here. And like a lighthouse, words shone in the darkness will keep them sailing until they reach the shore, holding onto the riggings of hope for better days. A retired woman cares for her mother, smiles when remembering scrutinizing yams, plantains picked. Those days she used to walk down West Brom High Street, the hustle, bustle of the outdoor market, back when she was young and she longs for those days of walking coast to coast through the Lake District and the Dales. Another remembers Bilston Market when she lived on Batman's Hill. 
where kids pass through her doors and their kids join the school band, and she remembers Saturday soup, which she swapped for bangers and mash to keep everybody happy living on Batman's Hill. Staying still, not even for a stroke, when there's others far worse than her. Learned to be tough, watched over by brothers, forged in the ways of the black country. The woman with a seven-year-old grandson who promises to take her shopping in his orange Lamborghini. We gotta do a quick round here, she laughed at the reading of a poem. 2002, when she thought, what the hell? A lorry doing out here making all that racket and noise? Poetry. She now do poetry until a young, vibrant teacher stepped into the classroom many, many years ago, took over the local youth club and made English lovable. And she wow forget the beauty of Richard Burton reading under Milkwood. He's cautious at first, stares when he hears a reading of Patterson's house. He knows the ice from the nose, the dust of snow on eyebrows, ten-foot icicles hanging from gutters. But he hung in there with his wife, became a manager in Albright and Wilson, famous for phosphorus bombs in the First World War. And he's still working out a formula for living after his wife passed away. And the bundle of joy who's missing Greg's donuts and coffee, and other days she'll have chocolate, carrot cake, and Christmas days won't be the same without ginger biscuits and a sprinkle of cinnamon, like the joy she sprinkles across the telephone line. And the lady who holds on to still I rise, the lockdown anthem, and we sing it together because we need it a year later. Still, I rise after a year of cowboy gardeners screwing her over. Still, I rise when she remembers where she's coming from. Still, I rise, her mother's house, zinc baths and coal fires, and she can't wait for second-hand shops to open where she'll wear a gypsy skirt, knowing still I rise. These are the stories to be found, never silenced, never lost. They live in the fabric of community, Echo along the lines of a phone call, a visit. How you doing? Shout from outside the window, hoping for better days. I'm intrigued by Batman's Hill. Tell me about that. I'm not really up to point where it is, kind of thing. Back at Bilston, hmm. going towards Tipton, and it's this famous place called Batman's Hill. It's not a place that I've actually walked through, but I know of it. Just a fantastic name for a place. And what you get there is that real synthesis of stories from other people, 
your voice delivering the poem. So it's very much, we can recognise it as one of your poems, but somehow it's, there are all these voices contributing to the poem. And I wonder what, how many stages that poem went through when you were writing it. What was the drafting process? Oh, that's interesting. You've gotten sort of an idea of where it might be going. And I think it's almost that kind of concept of the, of the phone poem. So you've got all the sentences or things that, they, and you think, I like that statement or I like that story. And so you, you grab a hold of that and you start to piece the thing together. But then you just try to see the echoes and the, and if there's possible rhymes or... And, and, and the narrative. I think the narrative is important. So I would say... By the time I'd finished, I'd written notes. I could see something coming together and about, you know, three or four different kind of mm. editing through and through and getting the full narrative at the end. That's what works so well, isn't it? It's that, that somehow, I found this with all the poets, it's the skill of the poet to say, here are these stories that could just hang in the air, as they are, but I'm going to use my poetic skill to make them into something else. And that... That's just, it's a joy to hear, it really is. Do you think this kind of work, once the pandemic is finished and we're allowed to get in the same room with people again, would you want to do more of this kind of work, though, this, this phone work? Cause it's, it's intriguing, isn't it? Absolutely. I think it's, it's got to be something that's, that's done and pushed and, and, and making people know about it because I think it's unique. I think you'll always still have people who are going to be behind closed doors, who are going to be on their own, you can imagine all the different things, whether it's mental health, all the different backgrounds and issues. And can you imagine just that voice and a poem? And you know as a poet, Ian, we are blessed with a canon of poetry that touches on anything. Mm. And that experience and that witness to, to life's issue can be found in so much poetry. You're right, because it, when this is all over, there will still be the people who won't go out of the house, who can't get out of the house, who are forced to stay in the house through physical or mental or whatever, societal things. And you're right, here's a new way of presenting poetry that we hadn't thought of before. Thank you very much to Roy McFarlane. A Word in Your Ear was commissioned and produced by Black Country Touring. The podcast was produced as part of Black Country Stories podcast. It was supported by Arts Council England and the DCMS through the Culture Recovery Fund.